welcome to Heart Home Faith. It's been a while, but I am your host, Olivia McCarthy, and I am so excited to be bringing a really special interview with an author that you may not have heard of yet, but I think that you are going to be so excited that you know about this book that she is sharing with us today. Our guest today is the lovely Claire McGarry. Claire is the author of Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary. She's also done a whole bunch of other writing which you can read about in her bio. Our discussion was delightful. Claire is a few years ahead of me in the family life department and so getting her perspective on how things change from the years of the little littles to the years of teenagers was so insightful and just wonderfully refreshing. I think that you are going to really enjoy this interview, so enjoy! Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Olivia. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, I'm so excited. I love books. My husband calls me a cyborg because I read so many. Um, He is always joking about me reading very quickly and reading so many books. And so talking to somebody who's an author is like, oh, this is so exciting. Maybe one day that'll be my, uh, you know, like, title too, like Olivia, she's a mom, she's a wife, she's also an author. That'd be great. Um, Not there yet, but maybe one day. So thank you again for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Claire? Sure, sure. So I'm a wife and mom of three. My kids are 17, 15, and 11. I live in New Hampshire. Um, I was, I've had multiple roles in my life, one of which was I was a missionary overseas Ooh. in Guatemala for three years with the Francis, Franciscan Mission Service. Came home, met my husband, married him, had kids, and then recognized just how much I needed God in my life. I always had him. Um, as you know, especially wanting to go and represent him as a missionary. But when you're in the thick of three little kids and feel as if you're drowning, it's the time when you recognize, okay, I cannot do this alone, nor do I think we were meant to do it alone. I think we're meant to have mother friends. I think we're meant to have female friends and support systems and our husbands, but they, there's always a need to have God, especially as a mom trying to raise children. Um, so that's when my faith really deepened. And that's when I felt the call to run retreats for moms and monthly groups for moms, just so that we were having that constant connection with each other, but primarily with Jesus, so that we were calling him into our gatherings We were bringing him our struggles and our worries and our concerns and sort of purging it all at his feet so that he could rejuvenate us and refill us so that we could go back to being moms and women and, you know, business owners, whatever people's description was, um, but needing that refill and that rejuvenation, recalibration from him. Oh my gosh. I love that. Also, so 
can you just repeat again real quick? You said your kids were, was it 17, 15, and 11? Yes. Okay. So my kids right now are eight, six, three, and then I have an 11 month old. And that just feels like a whole nother world that <laughs> is coming later. Like, I don't even know how you, how you go from the, the little years through the elementary school years to, you know, like middle school years. I'm just that that stage of parenting still feels so far out that it's kind of baffling to me to even think about, but I'm very grateful to know that the world doesn't end. It continues <laughs> and you continue to love your kids as they age. And it just looks different. Um, even if I can't possibly comprehend what it's going to look like in, you know, 10 years with my oldest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I think for, for me, the people I admire most are the people who adopt, you know, already grown children. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think, especially for myself, I was, I thought I was ready to be a mom, but the minute you have a baby, you realize how much you just don't know, but but you can fumble your way through, right? Mm -hmm. You just have this baby who in the beginning sleeps a lot so you can adjust. And then as they grow, you grow. Right. So I was, the baby might not sleep. Right. (laughs) And I was in your shoes and I couldn't imagine what it was like to have kids in high school. Never mind the college application process and all that, but it, but it happens gradually. It happens step by step. And that's why I admire those people who just jump in and adopt teenagers and just go from zero to a thousand without having those baby steps in between. Right. Yeah. That is, that is a great point. And it's gotta be so, so hard because once the kids reach a certain age, you know, there are fewer people that want to adopt an older Mm -hmm. child. So that's just a great gift of grace. Um, Okay. Speaking of gift and grace, can you tell everybody a little bit about the book that we're chatting about today, the book that you authored that came out in November of 2021? So can you share with us a little bit about it? Sure, sure. So it's called Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary. So it began as a retreat that I was running for moms, because I think we mothers really relate to Martha and Mary. We relate to that story when Jesus came to their home and they're hosting him for a dinner party and they each make different choices. Mary chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to all he has to say. And Martha chooses to serve, but I think she also chooses to serve with a flair. And she, she makes these grandiose choices, which inevitably is biting off more than she can chew. And she feels stress and tension and worry and distraction. And she goes to the feet of Jesus to ask him to tell her sister to get up and help. But Jesus never... It's not that he doesn't give us what I, what we want. His priority is to give us what we need. And in that story, we all know Martha needs to recenter herself, rebalance herself and find that place where she can draw some boundaries, trim back the extras, ask for help, value self-care. So that was the premise of the retreat that I ran was helping women understand, you know, we do have to put our own oxygen mask on first before we can help our children, right? You know, and that there are so many places where we can look at how we're living out our days and learn from Martha and Mary and what Jesus had to teach them in that scripture passage so that we live out our motherhood 
doing our Martha tasks, but with a merry heart. And so after having that retreat, giving it so many times, I kept getting the feedback from women. This really needs to be put into a book. (laughs) And so I had always dreamed about being a published author. um, And I congratulations on that dream. That's wonderful. Thank you. So I write for Catholic Mom. I write for livingfaith.com and a couple other different publications. And the door was opened by God for me to get this contract for a full length book. Um, and so it was four years in the making, but it did release in November. And the idea is to help people because what happened while I was writing the book is where I felt called before to help moms and, you know, fish for moms and bring them to the feet of Jesus, I recognize that everybody experiences grace and tension, not just mothers. And so I tried to broaden the scope of the book so it will resonate, hopefully, with everyone who experiences stress and tension, which in my opinion is pretty much everyone on the planet, right? doesn't matter. I was thinking, is there anyone who has no stress or tension in their life? I would love to meet you if you were, if you are the person with no stress or tension in your life. Right, right. Especially with the past couple of years that we've all had and what we've had to go through. So it doesn't matter whether you're young, old, married, single, parent, you know, doesn't matter. Um, And so the idea is that I believe that God doesn't, bring us our stress and tension. I think we're pretty good at creating that ourselves with how we treat our planet, how we treat each other, even how we treat ourselves. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, right? But he shows up in the midst of it to lead us through. And he tucks a gift within the tension. And if we can move toward that stress and tension, if we can bring it to the feet of Jesus, he helps us find that gift and unwrap it and apply it to our lives. And when we do, our tension and stress turns into grace. Oh, that is beautiful. Okay, so I'm just laughing because talking about tension that's obviously a big part of your book since it's in the title right um and I you know like tension can be a really bad thing right but it can also be a good thing so I was making bread this morning and I went to go score it you know like cut a pretty pattern into it and I've never been able to get my patterns to look pretty because I found out I'm not creating enough surface tension on the top of the loaf to make it stick But also I'm thinking about things like if you are, you know, like swinging on a, on a swing, that rope needs some tension or else it's not going to do anything. And so I think we have this opinion where like tension's so bad, avoid conflict, or at least people like me who try to avoid conflict at all costs. Um, We don't like tension, but sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need it to grow. And so I just love that you're saying like, Jesus tucks a gift in there. Sometimes we need that tension to grow. Sometimes we need to do things that make us a little uncomfortable so that we can grow and we can experience what it is that he wants to give us. And so I I really am trying to digest this idea of tension and like, okay, what does it mean? And, you know, is it always bad or can it be good sometimes? So I just, I'm very excited that this is the whole premise of your book is that there's grace in it because it's not always a horrible, bad thing. 
So Right. And you're 100% right, because if we don't have tension, we can't fly a kite, we can't zip up a sweatshirt, we can't tune a guitar. But I think what I've discovered, at least in my own life, and what I recognize in Martha in that passage in Luke, is that when we feel that little bit of tension. I believe that's God trying to redirect us. We've, we've gone astray, right? We're, we've chosen wrong or we've chosen right with the wrong intention, you know, because I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of doing the right thing, but maybe resenting having to do it because I'm doing it out of peer pressure or I'm doing it because I feel guilty or I'm doing it because I feel like it's my job description to take on more and to always say yes and that kind of thing. And so I think when tension shows up, it's God's prompt to say, hey, take a look at, take a look at what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling it because your head and your heart are misaligned? Are you feeling it because you're really not doing it with right intention? And if that's the case, can you, can you realign? Can you bring your heart back into this and turn it into a prayer? Or if you can't, have you taken on something that was meant for someone else? right? Because sometimes we think we are supposed to say yes to everything. God doesn't ask us to do everything. He has created different tasks for different people. And by us saying yes to it, we could be denying someone else their ability to shine. And so when we get into this place of tension, if we don't stop and take a look, right? If we continue on with our choices, which is what I believe happens with Martha, we grab that healthy bit of tension and we pull on the rope. And when we pull on the rope, we pull that tension into the mid-level zone. And that's where it's no longer healthy. That's where we're starting to get that feeling in our stomach, or maybe we're, we're even causing ourselves tension headaches or upset stomachs or, you know, and that is when we take that healthy tension and we move it into a place where it's no longer healthy. And that's where I say we can oftentimes be the source of our own tension. Absolutely. Oh, I agree with you completely. All right. So I was so excited to get to read the sample of the book that you sent me. And one of the things that really jumped out to me was this idea of this framework that you talk about, which I believe you called gift or GIFT. Can you just explain that to listeners? Because it seems like it's a really big part of your spiritual journey, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. But can you just start by explaining what that is? Sure, sure. So what I discovered with my tension, when I finally figured out that tension can be a good thing, that there, <laughs> there, there can be a gift tucked within it, when I started bringing it to God and laying it at his feet, there was a transformation process that happened within me. And after doing it time and time again, and primarily when writing this book, because I'm, I'm a bit old school, and if I'm driving in the car and I have a thought or an idea, I jot it down on an index card. And so I've got this pen on paper thing going on, and I laid out all my notes, and I started to see a pattern. And the pattern were, was the steps that God takes us through in this transformation process, and it spells the acronym GIFT. Oh, he's so, so the, smart. 
Isn't he brilliant, smart? Brilliant. And especially for me, because even though I was going through this process over and over and over again, I still forget. And this acronym became something I could sink my teeth into so that I could go into my prayer time and systematically work through it. So that G from the word gift stands for gauge. So we have to bring our stress and tension to God, but we have to gauge or identify and name what the tension is, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes we name the symptom and not the root cause. Yes. And it's impossible to fix something if you can't name what it is. So he helps us figure out, okay, what's the real root cause? Let's gauge it, name it, identify it. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, I believe that if our stress and tension isn't going to put us in physical or mortal danger, I believe God is asking us to invite it in that Mm -hmm. I from the gift, the word gift. So we invite our stress and tension in at the feet of Jesus and look it squarely in the eye. And oftentimes when we look at our emotions, uh, we loosen our hold on them. And when we loosen our hold on our emotions, they loosen their hold on us. And that's when the haze of confusion goes away, right? Because it's our emotions that cloud the picture. So once our emotions are gone, that's when we can use the F, which is the filter of God's loving eyes. Mm -hmm. If we then look at the situation through the filter of his loving eyes that always see the good, that always look at things with love we start to see what the real issue is and how he looks at it and where he's calling us to change, whether it's an external change or an internal change and how we respond to it. And that's when we can get to the T, which is transform because he inspires us to make that change, but he also partners with us because he'll never leave us, abandon us and ask us to do it on our own. Nor will he, I believe he doesn't ask us to make these insurmountable changes either. He knows what we're capable of. He knows our circumstances. He knows exactly what's going on in our day in day out life. And I think sometimes when people feel like they're being asked to change, they feel like it's this revolutionary total 180. And I don't think he just like we were talking about, about raising children, it comes in slow, small increments, right? So he just takes us baby steps through these changes that transform that tension into grace. So gauge, invite, filter, transform. Oh, okay. I love that. I was just thinking, because you're like, it's, you know, not a complete 180. And I'm like, you know, the person who I can think of who did a complete 180 would be Saul who became St. Paul, but that was kind of a special case. And I don't think that he does that to everybody because not everybody, that's not how everybody is designed. And so um, I just was thinking about like, okay, well, was there ever anybody who did a complete 180? And I've got one. Um, Well, God, but God partnered with them the whole time. Right. He he gave him step-by-step instructions. This is where you're supposed to go. This is what's going to happen. This is, you know, so even though that was this drastic change, he still partnered with him. But yeah, I don't, I don't think many of us are being asked. (laughs) I don't, I don't think we're called to to that necessarily. (laughs) Um, Definitely more of a slow, a slow and steady, a long, a long burn, not, you know, like a a flash in a pan type thing. Um, 
Okay. So now I want to ask you kind of a personal question, if you don't mind sharing, but so after you discovered this gift framework and you started taking it to your prayer time, how did you see your spiritual life benefit? Like what, what Mm. has this framework done for you um, in a personal way? I'm just, I'm curious. It it has transformed my life because it stress and tension is never going to go away. So every time I solve one problem, there's another one knocking at the door. In the that's old, true, <laughs> right? And the especially me. in motherhood, <laughs> exactly. So the old me used to do the oh, woe is me. Why is this all happening to me? How come everybody else's life looks so easy? And how come she just coasts right through motherhood? And how come I'm experiencing all this difficulty? And so it has completely turned that viewpoint around. Um, I have a blog and it's actually called Shifting My Perspective. And this God always changes how I view things. And that's half the battle, right? Because if rather than lamenting the tension, I now see it as an opportunity for something good. There's something amazing waiting on the other side of this stress and tension. I can't wait to see what it is. So it becomes this. And the more you do it, the more addicting it becomes of, Ooh, now this, this thing just happened. And I feel all this angst. I wonder what wonderful thing is going to come out of it. If I just bring it to God, go through the steps and I won't say do the hard work because sometimes it's not always hard. Sometimes it is, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. the change is a little more challenging for me because I really want to stay the same way that I am. I don't want to have to change. But when I can do it willingly, the more willing we are, the easier it is. And so my journal is filled with gift entry after gift entry after gift entry, and it it never fails. It is, I, I seriously encourage everyone to try it, even if they don't get the book. The process works because God is always working for our good. All we have to do is allow him to, right? And that's what the gift process does is it says, okay, God, I'm ready. Help me. I'm willing. Let's go through this together and let's get to that grace on the other side. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I have to be honest that so much of motherhood is just like, am I doing this right? And so much of it, especially with social media, and I know social media gets a bad rap. I think it can be a great tool and can be used for good. But a lot of times it also allows us to compare ourselves to others. And am I doing this right? Is this how it's supposed to be? Is everything okay with my kid? And like, there's all these opportunities for tension. And um, yeah, like God doesn't call us to constantly be comparing ourselves to others. So I love that this framework takes it off of looking at other people and turns it internally and makes it between you and God, because that's who the relationship is supposed to be with. It's not you and all your followers on Instagram. It's between you and God. That's what is, you know, the primary relationship. That's the one that gives you life. And so I just, I love that this invites it into you and lets you look at things from God's loving perspective. Um, and that it's not just comparing, comparing, comparing. I love that it takes you away from that because I know I personally 
fall into that a lot. So I'm excited for that um, tool to help me re recenter, refocus what's important, what, you know, what should my priority be right now? So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. There's actually a whole chapter in the book about that, about comparison. Yes. Because, yeah, because I think we're <laughs> all guilty of it. And I, it, the premise I make is Martha's guilty of it. I believe initially Martha was doing a phenomenal job serving. I think she was radiant. She was doing it with her whole heart. She was excited to be the hostess of Jesus and his disciples. It wasn't until she compared her choice to her sisters mm-hmm. that I think she suddenly says, oh, maybe Mary, maybe I wish I were her and I wish I were sitting down and didn't have all the work to do. And it was that comparison, right? And it was, so it's where we look. If our eyes are always on God and if, like you said, we're working through this with him all the time. All we care about is his perception of us. And if we're in constant communion with him, we recognize that he knows we're doing the very best we can. He does, he, I don't believe he ever asks us to be perfect. I think he just asks us to be trying to do things with right intention, with our head and our heart aligned, making it a prayer for him. It's when we lose sight of that and how we lose sight of that is we take our eyes off of him and we start looking around at everybody else. And I agree hundred percent. I think social media can be an amazing tool. I find so much inspiration on it when I'm centered, when I'm connected to God and I feel like I'm doing the best I can. I'm inspired by it. The minute I separate myself from him. The minute I stop practicing this constant going to him, I absolutely fall into the, oh, her, her life looks beautiful. Her kids look perfect. Her dinners are so well balanced and, you know, all of it in the vacation. She's got all food groups. Yes. And one of them is not Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, so it's, it's where we look and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all our perspective. Right. Absolutely. All right. We touched on this a little bit, but do you think you could explain why the title grace intention? Like those are two very big words. We got grace, which is like a whole, you can take like theological courses on grace and like still like you could take it for like 20 years and still not understand all of God's grace because it's such a huge word, such a huge thing, right? So like you can study it, you can feel it, you can experience it. There's always more. And then like we were talking about with tension, there's tension too. Like everybody experiences it and we don't always understand it. So these are, these are some pretty big words that are really, you know, you chose to be the title of your book. So can you just explain like why these words, what was the the thought process between choosing these words and titling this book? Well, I would compare it to naming a child. Ooh, yeah, right? that's always tricky. <laughs> yes. And I don't know about you, but with our first child, it took my husband and me nine months to name him. Days <laughs> before I went in to deli- deliver him, we were still <laughs> batting around names because it's so huge. It's it's 
what he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life. And so fortunately, when you're titling a book, you have more than one word, right? So there's, but sometimes that's even more difficult because the more options you have, the more choices you have and the harder it is to, to whittle that down. And to be perfectly honest, I have an entire file folder of all different title names, the I was asking friends, family, neighbors, like explaining the concept of the book and what do you think it should be titled? And I um I think I had seeing the better part was one of the first ones. Um, and then an, the final one that I sent into the publisher was tension to grace, how seeking God can transform stress. Mm. And then underneath a Martha and Mary book, because I was trying to get in, I think people really connect with Martha and Mary. So you, yes. you, you need them in the title. Um, and it was the publisher who came back with grace intention, discover peace with Martha and Mary. And I think they nailed it perfectly. Because Tension to grace, if you flip the words, right, because I was trying to explain the process that you're taking tension to grace, um, it sounds like it might be a little more work than Mm -hmm. grace intention, that the grace is already there. You don't have to do a thing. God did the work. He tucked the grace in there. So just them flipping those words, I think, sends a much more hope-filled message um, just, just even saying it, having the words in your mouth, that grace just fills you before you get to the tension mm-hmm. and then discover peace with Martha and Mary, they beautifully shortened the title and got right to the heart of the matter. That if you go through this gift process, you will discover peace and we peace. Do- Yeah. And we discover it through the story of Martha and Mary, because every chapter has the sisters in it and what they're going through that explains about comparing themselves or not valuing self-care or not drawing healthy boundaries or not defining priorities. And then I link it to how we're living today. Because even though it's 2000 years later, we have all the same issues, Mm -hmm. Um, but we sometimes need to put it in more concrete stories to here and now for people to see the connection. So I tried real hard to include stories from my life that illustrate that I experienced the same exact thing that they did then. And then how we work through it with God to get to that grace on the other side. So yeah, that the titling, it sounds like it's an easy thing, but what a process. Um, but again, I'm so grateful to my publisher because I think they nailed it. That's that's so funny that it's like naming a child because I think we all know naming children can be difficult. Um, we have three girls and then a boy. And so we kind of feel like we've run out of girl names because we named our three girls the names we really like for daughters. Um, and then my husband and I, at one point when we were pregnant with our fourth, before we knew he was going to be a, a boy or he was a boy before we knew, um, we feel like, oh, why did we give her that middle name? We liked that one. <laughs> like, why, why did we use that word? Like, we shouldn't have, oh, we should have given her a not so great of a middle name. It was, it was kind of funny that we just had this conversation like, oh, shoot, if we have a, if we have another daughter, like we already used the middle name. What do we do? Um, which of course we could just use the name again, <laughs> but it was just kind of funny that that's like 
the conversation that we were having because it's hard. Yeah. Um, thankfully, he ended up being a boy, and we're like, "Oh, good, we can now go down this whole different road of what boy names do we like?" And it was, you know, it was a stressful, a stressful few months trying to figure all that out. But we did. Now we love it. We love the names we chose for our kids. But yeah, there's something about it when you land on the right one, you just kind of know, and you yes. feel that like peace, like what you even say in the, the title of the book, "Discover Peace." Like when it is meant to be it will be peaceful and you will know and exactly. I just I love that that's even right there in the title of the book um okay so I wanted to just kind of ask you because as you touched on at the beginning you have older kids and I can't even fathom what that necessarily looks like um so a lot of listeners to Heart Home Faith are women and a lot of them are moms um that's kind of my demographic and so you can imagine that that's what I know. So that's what we talk about, right? Um, so as you've gone from the little years to the grown-up-ish years, you know, preteen, adolescent years, which in some ways actually sound even scarier to me than grown-up years, um, how has this idea of what tension is, how has that shifted for you personally? Because I think a lot of tension comes from our family life. And um, from trying to do the right thing and figuring out the right thing. And, and it's very different, like you said, when you have a baby versus when you have a 17-year-old. So I, I would just love to hear your wisdom about how tension changes, especially how your experience of tension has changed from babyhood to teenage years. Sure. It's such a good question. And there's so many different ways to approach it. The first one that comes to mind is when my kids were little, I used to pride myself on trying to uh, predict what pitfalls could come up. Mm -hmm. And so I was a big planner. So mm -hmm. for example, if you just open my minivan, there were a bazillion diapers and wipes and snacks and toys and changes of clothes, like any issue, any problem, we could have been deserted out somewhere for a month. And my van was fully equipped to meet everybody's needs. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. Ask and you say friend. you live in New Hampshire, right? New Are New you Hampshire. sure you're not like secretly uh, uh, from the UP of Michigan where you like <laughs> have to keep stuff in your car in case you get like stranded in the middle of a blizzard like I guess I guess sure. in my mind I did because that that is how I lived and I always had contingency plans so that if we had plans with friends and you know someone got sick you know the people that we were meeting up with for a play date if they got sick I would have an alternate place to go so my kids would never be disappointed and I think without realizing it I mean, we all just want to give our children a happy childhood, right? But what I was doing was I was doing everything within my power to eliminate stress and tension in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's good and that's bad because ultimately what I came to recognize, and I'm sure every mother out there has already recognized it. I was just slow on the uptake because I just had this vision of creating this magical childhood for my kids is it's critical that we all learn how to face stress and tension, that if we don't learn how to work through it, when we're two, three, four, five years old, we're going to be that 17 year old who's throwing a temper tantrum 
because there's a process, <laughs> right? It, 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 you have to practice it. You have to learn how to go through it. Mm-hmm. And if you're denied the opportunity when you're little, you're going to be throwing the temper tantrum when you're older. Which is not what anybody wants. No, because it's very unattractive. You, you, you can extend grace to a four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. You don't extend grace to a 17-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. <laughs> right. And we have different expectations and they're reasonable and they're, they're normal and they're just, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> and there are even adults who throw temper tantrums because they haven't figured out how to work through stress and tension. So it was when my kids, I mean, they were, they hadn't hit their teen years yet. When I realized the error of my ways, Um, I think they were bummed out about it because it meant I stopped covering over the potholes and stopped predicting the problems that were going to come and stopped solving the problems for them. And instead partnered with them and journeyed with them and kind of accompanied them like I envisioned God does with me through my stress and tension. I tried to do that with them so that they could learn what disappointment feels like. And it's okay to be disappointed. You know, we're not promised a rose garden on this side of heaven that life has its difficulties and we have to grow to accept those and we have to still look to find the good and the grace and the peace within it. And so for me, that's been the major shift in how I was raising my kids when they were little and how I'm raising them now, you know, now it's the, sorry, these are the consequences of your choices and Mm -hmm. sorry, these are the repercussions of a pandemic. And, you know, this is beyond our control. And yes, it's a bummer that you can't go to school, but let's figure out how to work through this and how to still be able to function in this. And let's find ways to find joy within this. So, you know, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, like, I'm laughing because you're talking about filling your minivan with things that I have a, it's not as well stocked as it should be. But when my kids, my older two kids were little, I had like extra pull up, extra underwear, extra pair of pants, extra, I had a little package of band-aids and these are all good things. I had sunscreen, bug bite, like Neospore and that sort of stuff. Cause you know, we like to be at the park. We like those things and accidents happen. And so there's nothing wrong with being prepared but then you say that you had enough stuff to be stuck for a month it just has me laughing because like if I had had it in my mind that we needed extra things we totally would have had you know whole wardrobes for the kids in there I would have totally made that happen I guess I just never quite figured that far out which is now I'm like oh man I should go check my uh check my storage box in my van to make sure I've got everything for the spring park season but no I just think like that's got to be something that so many people can relate to that you know like you don't want your kids to feel pain you don't want your kids to suffer no one does right but then I'm thinking you know we might not want that for our children but look at Mary when Jesus was on the cross she didn't run away. Mm-mm. She stayed at his feet. And I think that's just a really beautiful sort of analogy of how, like, instead of trying to shield your kids from the tension or the suffering or the pain or whatever, you know, the uncomfortable parts of life, now you're walking with them through it, um, which I think is just a really beautiful reflection on Mary and how she was a mother too, that she stayed with Jesus through the pain and didn't just try to make it go away. Because of course she couldn't, but 
you know, we face our own, uh, our own powerlessness at some point with our kids, I think, where we realize that we can't protect them from everything and that there might be a kid who's going to say something that really hurts their feelings and we can't prevent that. And, um, you know, we can only help them to realize who they are and what their worth is and how to stick with God through the things that hurt. So thank you for sharing that wisdom. That was really beautiful. Well, you framed it beautifully. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, the way you (laughs) summarized it was spot on. Uh Well, thanks. Um, Okay, so the last question that I have for you is that I just, I always ask people what their favorite thing about Catholicism is, Um, but I wanted to ask you even more like in depth. What is your favorite thing about your relationship with the Lord? Um, and one of the things that I'm thinking of is like, okay, like I, I love being Catholic. I love my faith. I love, I love it. But what's my relationship with the Lord? And so I'm trying to even reframe, like just thinking in terms of like, I can go to him and we communicate and we have a real relationship. It's not just like pie in the sky you know? And so that's why I'm asking you a new question. Um, So I want to know, like, what is your favorite thing about your relationship with, with the Lord? I think it's his unconditional love. I think it's no matter the mistakes I make, no matter, you know, if I haven't connected with him in a while, no matter the temper tantrum I throw as an adult, you know, you know, no matter what my shortcomings are, he's always there. I do not see him as judgmental in any way, shape or form. I believe he is just always ready to accept me exactly as I am. However, I don't think he wants me to stay as I am, but he doesn't put pressure on me, make me feel guilty, make me feel judged. It's more of an inspiration of look who I know you can become. That's beautiful. And then, and yeah, I get kind of choked up just thinking about it. Yeah. And then he says, I can take you there. Let's do this together. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's just such a beautiful way to think about who he is and who he wants us to know him as because I think so often we know him the way we know him and not the way he wants us to know him and that's that's just a really oh so that's so beautiful okay um and then I wanted to also ask yes like part two of the last question which is really a whole other question so I guess I should have said the second last question and now this is the last question I wanted to ask but Knowing that you have been in my shoes and (laughs) had things happen where you didn't quite get to what you thought you were going to get to that day and things just feel sometimes out of control and it's a happy chaos, but sometimes it's just a stressful chaos, right? But what is something you would say to yourself 10 years ago? Like if you could go back in time and tell 10 years old ago, 10 years ago, you something about your faith life, what would you say? Relax. <laughs> That's a great word. All right. I'm going to go book a spa trip. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Just exhale, just trust and lean into him more. And, you know, it's different day to day in the sense of, you know, I could say, 
what you get done is what you were supposed to get done, but that's not always the case, right? Because Mm -hmm. we can make bad choices about how we use our time, right? Right. But it's a, you know, start fresh the next day, start rooted in him, and he will show you what really matters. And he'll partner with you to get what really matters done. And it's kind of like the fishes in the loaves. He multiplies us for the things that really matter. And if I could just trust that process, if I could just um, see him as the source of that and, and sort of plug in every morning with that outlook, I think I would have let, I wouldn't have sweated the small stuff because Mm -hmm. I am a, I'm a big Martha. I'm a control freak. I have a vision of how I want it to be. And it's always a vision of grandeur and sounds familiar. (laughs) That's where I stress myself out. Whereas if I believe God obviously has visions of grandeur, I mean, look what he's created. I mean, look at the intricacy of our world. So he absolutely is a God of grandeur, but he would have helped me see, all right, this, this little task. Yeah. There's, there's nothing grand about that. Just, just do it and be done with it. Don't, don't turn that into a production or, you know, he just would have helped me clarify and prioritize, which I do talk a lot about in the book because I feel like Martha falls pray to that too, of, of trying to make the wrong things grand and the in, in unimportant things grand. And there's a beauty in making things grand, but we have to pick and choose which ones they are. You know, right. if you have a plate, only so much can fit on it. And so, you know, that's how we get them balanced as we pile that plate too high. So I think I would have just said, plug into him. And I did start my days in prayer but it wasn't with the perspective of help me figure out what really matters today and help me get it done. Right. You know? I'm la- I'm laughing because you're talking about like visions of grandeur. And I'm thinking like this year, I just couldn't celebrate St. Nicholas day. I just couldn't do it. And I like hopped onto Instagram and I saw all the things that all the like Catholic people were doing for St. Nicholas day. And I was like, I do not feel bad about this. Like, congratulations to all you wonderful women who are like living liturgically and doing great. But I am grieving. I lost my dad in the summer and December was really hard for me. It was six months and it was the first major holiday. So that was really tough. Yeah. And I had a new baby and I'm coming out of the pandemic. And I was, I think for the first time in my life, gentle with myself. And I didn't feel like a failure. And I was like, this is, this is so great that like, Maybe next year we'll do St. Nicholas Day, but this year we just can't. And that's okay. And I just remember feeling like, wow, that is really, re- that is a relief that I have gotten to this point where I'm not like beating myself up and like running to the store, you know, eight o'clock at night on December 5th and, you know, trying to make it happen. It just, it wasn't going to happen this year. And I let it go because it didn't need to be the focus of that day for us this year. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with living liturgically and celebrating feast days with your kids, right? That's awesome. But it doesn't have to be this huge production and it doesn't have to stress you out. Um, And so I'm just kind of laughing because that's my story about that. Like, relax. And then I did. And it was amazing. And isn't it wonderful? 
Yes. And, and I think those are the moments you have to, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily always remember them. Those are the moments that I have to journal. I have to capture them. I have to have something. Um, I, I talk a lot about a faithfulness board. So I have a bulletin board where I just tack up different things where it can be a word, but it can just be an item that I put on the board that just reminds me of those moments, right? Because he was faithful to you in that moment to to shift how you were looking at it and recognize that you deserve to give yourself grace, right? I mean, I, I do think, you know, I've had moments when I've been a total slacker and I I shouldn't have been extending myself grace for being a slacker, right? But there's right. a difference when circumstances say that, you know, what you're reaching for is just too much based on what's going on right now. I'm someone who needs to have something as a visual reminder that brings me back and says, oh, remember that time? Maybe that's what God, God is calling me to again, to, to approach this situation the same way that I did last time. And he will show up for me exactly like he did then. Right. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, Claire, I wanted to say thank you so much for being a guest on Heart Home Faith. Um, I am super excited to start recording again. Like I said, I took some time off just because there was so much going on. So I was giving myself grace and trying not to pile too much on top of my plate, like we talked about. Uh, but no, this was this is a great, great first interview to kick off my re-recording session. So thank you for coming on and for sharing all about your heart and also all about your awesome book. I can't wait to read all of it. I love the preview you sent me. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I'm thrilled that I got the honor of being the one that you began your re-recording chapter Yay. with. So thank you. Yay. Thank yes. You. Okay. Um, one last thing. Um, yeah. Is there a preferred place for people to purchase your book? Is um, there like a place where maybe you might receive more of a commission if we purchase through it? Or is the standard sort of we bring it to your house in two days okay let us know (laughs) what the preferable place to order your book from is (laughs) well there are lots of options if someone wants me to sign it for them and sort of the preferred for me is through my website which is shiftingmyperspective.com I have a books tab so shiftingmyperspective.com or through my publisher which is our Sunday visitor or through Amazon so depending on what's easiest for people but if they want me to sign it I'd be happy to and send it along to them all right well thank you so much I'm gonna link those um those things to the show notes so people who are listening on their phone can just click to go right to your book or your website um I'll link them in the order that you prefer (laughs) so you're welcome all right well thank you so much I really appreciate your time and I just can't wait to ingest even more of your wisdom and see how it impacts my life and how I get to know God even better. So thank you again, Claire. Thank you, Olivia. It was a pleasure. All right. You have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. for tuning into this episode of Heart Home Faith and happy Feast of the Annunciation to all of you because that is the day that this podcast episode is being released and we can celebrate that all year long. So if you're not listening on Friday, March 25th, 2022, that's fine too. You can still celebrate the joy of the Annunciation. 
thank you so much to Claire McGarry as well for being just such a lovely guest to have on Heart Home Faith. It's been a while since I've done any podcasting because life has been crazy, but I'm so excited to be back in the swing of things. And I just hope and pray that until next time you feel as loved as you are. God bless.